Welcome to class four in our study of the book of Philippians. Please get your Bibles and open up to Philippians. Remember, Philippians is in the New Testament. It is a letter written by Paul to the people of Philippi. This might be your first class. And we looked last class, class number three, in Philippians 1, 9 through 11. And I want to review that with you rather quickly, and then we'll proceed to verse 12. And this is my prayer. This is Paul talking to the people of Philippi. That your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. Now, Paul is in prison. He's in change, as we saw earlier in the text. He is writing the people of Philippi and sharing his heart with them. He has a great deal of affection for them. He has a great deal of compassion for them. He is praying for them, much like a pastor of a church. If you are a person that goes to a church, I hope you have a good pastor. I hope you have a good minister that shares with you the gospel, which Paul has already referred to in a couple of times, and shares the message of Christ and genuinely cares about you. I pray that that's true for all of us. He is praying that his that your love may abound more and more in knowledge of death of insight. Now, we said last week that that love is a supernatural love coming from God himself. You and I naturally don't have that kind of power. This is why we depend on Christ. This is why our relationship with Christ is so important. This is why our relationship with Christ is supernatural and becomes a very natural thing, quite frankly, for those of us that know Christ, is as natural as any relationship that we have. Your love may abound more and more. So you want your love for people, you want your love for enemies, you want your love for neighbors, you want your love for God to grow more and more with knowledge and depth of insight. And so there's a knowing that's very important about love, not just an emotion, but that you actually are thinking about loving and how you're going to love. And the depth of insight that's required on how to love people. I'm sure you have many people in your life that you have to love. Some of them are very easy to love. And you can think of those as you're listening to me. Some of those might be quite difficult. So you're going to need knowledge and depth of insight in terms of how to deal with them to be as loving as Christ would be with them. Now, you and I are now the vessels that Christ uses to love other people. And so we are dependent upon that kind of love. So he says in verse 10, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ. Now, we need to know what is right or wrong. We need to know what to do. And so our love abounding more and more in depth of insight, knowledge and depth of insight helps us to discern what is true and what is best to do. And so that we can be pure and blameless. Now, you and I don't have any skill to figure out on a supernatural basis or according to the dictates of the Lord Jesus Christ how to live our lives. So we're going to need his assistance. We're going to need his help. And he mostly does that by the action of the third person of the Holy Trinity called the Holy Spirit. He enables us to discern properly what to do. He also gives us 
the knowledge and the depth of insight required to make good decisions, to make loving good decisions, and that we might be pure and blameless so that our actions are godly. And as we'll see in the next verse, filled with the fruit of righteousness, we actually will make decisions that are righteous and are holy. And so, you see what God is doing here. He is really calling the people of Philippi to a greater relationship with himself and showing them that they can, by Paul's loving hand, develop their relationship with Christ in a more dynamic and expansive way. Now, this will make a tremendous difference, as I said in the last class, in influencing other people in their daily living along with what's happening interiorly to us. It's quite frankly what everybody longs for. They just don't know how to get there. The fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. Now, there are many people that believe that we can get all these things from different sources. But really the true source is from Jesus. And so your Bible is a witness to who Christ is from Genesis to Revelation, literally to the end of the, end of the book and is a calling and call to us from the Lord God to have a relationship with His Son, Jesus Christ. This is what the beginning, the opening lines of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four Gospels are about, introducing us to Christ and ultimately calling us to a relationship with Christ, who turns out to be the Messiah, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Christ. So we want to produce something that's good, And we cannot produce it of ourselves. So we need to work through Christ. And God is glorified and God is praised in the process. So I don't, no human boasting. No, I'm not a big deal. You're not a big deal. God's a big deal. God is glorified. God is praised. God is adorned. God is lifted up. So verses 8, 9, 10, 11, three beautiful, beautiful passages about God's calling us to a life that's way outside most of our thinking, but then calls us to something greater. And then he supplies the ability to actually put this into process. It's very beautiful. Verse 12. Now, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. There's that word again. Now, Paul has been in a situation, as I said, previous classes, He is in prison, and he's going to share the fact that in verse 13, as a result, it's been clear throughout the whole palace guard and everyone else that I've been changed for Christ. So he's sharing with the palace guard, those that are taking care of him, that he is a Christian and that he knows Christ. Now remember, we're in the first century. Rome is in charge Absolutely. The Jews are in bondage, if you will, to the Romans. The Romans are in charge. Now, there's quite a bit of freedom that the Jews have, but they they definitely don't have ultimate freedom. They'd like to be able to overthrow Rome, but that's impossible. Jesus is born in that situation. He lives in Nazareth, grows up in Nazareth, and begins his ministry Matthew 4, 
uh, Matthew 3, Luke chapter 4, Mark 1, John 1, by being baptized in the Jordan River at about 30 years old, 30 years old, by his cousin John the Baptist. And he begins his ministry, and three years later, approximately, he dies. He's crucified. He is dying for our sins. He is buried. And on the third day, he's raised from the dead. He ascends into heaven 40 days later. Presently, as I speak, literally, he is seated at the right hand of God. One day, as I've said several times, and Paul has said, on the day of Jesus Christ, he's going to judge the living and the dead. Now, Paul begins his ministry as a person that's a very strong Jewish man with fantastic pedigree and fantastic learning, but he doesn't believe in the Savior. He does not believe in Christ. Until he meets Jesus on the road to Damascus, the famous road to Damascus, in Acts chapter 9. You might want to check that out if you do not know that text. Acts chapter 9. And Jesus asked him, you're persecuting me. You're persecuting me, Paul. And Paul loses his sight and turns to the Lord and accepts him and follows him. Read through chapter 9. Paul begins to share the gospel and ministry throughout the area, first to the Jews and then later to the Gentiles. One of the places he visits, among others, is Philippi. Now, the Jewish people do not like him at all. And so he is presently imprisoned by the Romans. For those of you who do not know this, he actually eventually gets out of prison before he's imprisoned again at a later time and then later dies. The scholars say 63, 64 AD. And I'm, I said uh, a couple of classes to go that this is probably in the mid-50s AD in terms of when it was written. And he is ministering to the palace guard. He's ministering to the people that are there. And he says... Because of my chains, verse 14, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fiercely. Fearlessly. He is a great witness for the gospel in chains. Now, just think about this for a second. He's in a despicable position. There's no way he can get out. None. Rome is very powerful, has him under lock and key. And amazingly, the word of God is still progressing. It's still moving forward. Because of my chains, 14, uh, 14 again, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged and they're going to speak the word of God. They're going to speak the gospel. They're going to speak the truth. And they're going to do it courageously and fearlessly. This is fantastic news that Paul is sharing with us from 12 to 14. And so the situation that he finds himself in has advanced the gospel. Now, all of us find ourselves in a place, in a location. We are somewhere. Okay? Now, where you are might be very positive, check mark, or quite frankly, it might be quite negative. 
Now, one could easily look at Paul's situation here and think, this is terrible. This is horrible. This is not good. God's not going to be able to do anything. This man is in chains. But in fact, God used this situation to advance the gospel. Let's go back to you and me. In the situation that you are right in right now, the location, what you're doing in a daily way, is it positive from your point of view or is it negative? If it's negative, it actually could be positive because God is doing something. Have you ever thought about that before? Have you ever thought that God may be doing something? That might be a very revelatory thought to you as you listen and watch this class. God may be actually doing something that is actually quite positive. And one day, maybe, perhaps, looking back, you'll say, oh, that was a seminal moment in my life. That was a key moment in my life. That was a key thing that God used. That I had to go through that. I had to actually go through this situation in order to get to something else. Now, this is where, brothers and sisters, we have to trust the Lord. We have to depend on His sovereign love for us. We have to discern what He's doing, as I said last class, in terms of uh, knowledge and depth of insight so that you can discern what is best and pure and blameless into the day of Christ. So Paul is encouraged. The brothers are encouraged. The people that are receiving the Word of God are encouraged. So sometimes in our lives, things are not going the way we planned or even the way we prayed. And we're wondering if God has abandoned us or has left us alone or is not thinking about us anymore or He's doing something else out there. But point in fact, God actually is working It may be a situation where it's not discernible to you right now. Continue to seek his face and trust him. Verse 15. Paul writes, It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. Now, folks, that's just the truth. Some people preach Christ out of envy and rivalry. Not everybody has a pure motive in preaching the gospel. Not every clergy person, not every lay person, not every leader of a church, not everybody that gets up there and has a program or a podcast or uh, some video that you're watching or something that you're listening to is doing it for the right reasons. Some people have goodwill. They're led by the Lord. They're anointed by the Lord. They're blessed by the Lord. And it is a, a, what they are producing, what they're teaching, what they're sharing with you has the Word of God written all over it and is a great blessing. I hope and pray that is true for what you listen to and what you read and what you study. However, some people do not speak that way. Envy and rivalry. Competition. You don't want competition in Christianity. You don't want envy in Christianity. You don't want to say how much better you are than somebody else. 
you don't want to be out there comparing yourself to someone else. You, the person needs to be submitted to Christ and dealing with what Christ is sharing with them for others. Of course, what's the message that he wants to share with others? And so the individual is dealing with Christ alone. Not himself, not his own ego, not her own ego, not herself. Okay? So we, we do not want to see verse 15 in terms of envy and rivalry. The latter do so in love. You're looking for people that are loving. You're looking for people that are compassionate. You're looking for people that care about other people. You're not looking for competition. You're not looking for envy. You're not looking for a scorecard. You're not trying to see how much better you are than somebody else. This is not a game we're playing. None of that crazy stuff. The latter do so in love, Paul says, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. Okay? The defense of the gospel is the apologetic of the gospel. The defense. Apologia is the Greek word. The defense of the gospel. I am defending the gospel. The defense of the gospel. And we've said that, like I've said, several times. And you read those verses, those earlier verses. The gospel is the message. You take the gospel out, you don't have anything in Christianity. You don't. The gospel is the key. You want to take that message and you want to propagate it. You want to share it. You don't want to share it out of envy and rivalry. You want to share it so you can get rich. You don't want to share it so you can have power over people. You don't want to share it because you can have authority over people. You don't want to share it so you can boast that you can do this or that. You want to share it because Jesus Christ has given you a message, which is the gospel, to share with others. In that sharing with others, people are going to be blessed. People are going to be lifted up. It's going to be a very positive thing. He was put here for the defense of the gospel. Now, sometimes the gospel needs to be defended. Sometimes you just need to stand up and say, no, this is the truth. Here's what the Bible says. Here's what the gospel's about. It's not about that or it's not about that. He does that, as I said in previous classes, in Galatians. They were anathema. Their gospel was a false gospel. It was another gospel. And Paul says, if I or an angel of God preaches another gospel, anybody else other than the one that I proclaim to you, I shared with you, let him or her be anathema, cursed. I am put here for the defense of the gospel. I am going to be sharing the gospel with people. Now, you may not want to hear it and you may not like it, That's why I'm here. I'm not here for any other reason. Okay? Now, that gospel message is going to have a very profound impact upon people that believe it. That believe it. And so this is why we have church. This is why we have teaching. This is one of the reasons I'm doing and sharing this with you is that you would know what the gospel is. You would believe the gospel. You would know it, you'd believe it, you'd live it out, ethics, and you would defend it, apologetics. Now we're going to pick up 
on verse 17 next week as Paul shares with us what his thoughts about the gospel were and shares with us the reality there's some people that do not agree. There's some people that are taking that information and using it in a deleterious and a negative way. There are some people that are out for themselves. There are some people that are not doing what God has to do. And the people of Philippi need to be aware of that. You and I need to be aware of that. You need to be aware uh, and be um, discerning of where you go to church, what message you're receiving, prayerful when you're studying the scriptures, prayerful who you're listening to, making sure that the message that they're sharing with you is the gospel. They're not diluting the gospel. They're not changing the gospel to their own advantage or to their own point of view. Lord God, thank you for this wonderful audience that seeks to know the truth that's contained in the Bible. Continue to bless each and every person and bless this opportunity for learning and growth and drawing closer to Christ. In his holy name we pray. Amen. God bless you.